0: the Skinny Podcast,
1: only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor. Along with Rick Brewing, each week we look at sports topics locally, nationally. We've got a nice gambling segment we're going to get back into. And, of course, uh, my favorite segment of the show where you can ask me anything, and we do mean anything from the sublime to the ridiculous to the fun. To the uh, risque at times. You can just ask anything, and I'll try to answer to the best of of my ability. This is the how can we believe that football is back edition, or I guess we should believe that football is back edition. It's funny. I did another podcast with some guys this week with Tony Pike and James Rapine, our Angry Quarterbacks podcast, Rick. And Tony made the point, I think he's right, that kind of the start of the season snuck up on us, even though Tony was at camp every day, James was at camp every day, I was at camp every day, but you still never – kind of felt like, are they really going to do this or not? Because there was no preseason games, right? So uh, here we are. I mean, we're taping this the day they're starting the NFL season, and it feels—it honestly feels like a normal freaking weekend for a change.
0: Well, not to be that guy, but I think I might have scooped Tony on that because on this very podcast last week, that's how I opened it. Was right, But right. I can't believe that we are starting with college football season and just a week away from the NFL. Now the NFL starts tonight, the morning as we're recording this on Thursday – and it is. It just doesn't feel like it's here, and I think a lot of that, again, had to do with the fact that baseball started so late in the summer. We were still, even though the Reds stink, which we'll get to later in the show, yes, we, we were still invested in them to this point, so it's like the no preseason football, which is usually such a drag and just so slow and and really kind of just a bog down as you're waiting for the NFL season to begin. Not having that, I think, really just like you said, allowed it to sneak up on us. But I'm ready for it. I need it because I got my ass handed to me last week in gambling. I oh the, the, the NBA, I'm done with MLB. I'm not even betting that anymore. The NBA, uh, the, the playoffs have not done well for me recently. And then the Kentucky Derby, I just got slaughtered. So
1: well, I, I had a good Derby day. I would have had a huge pick four. I got nosed out in the leg before the Derby. So that cost me about two grand. That's all. That, that, that's about No big it. deal. Yeah. But, hey. Yeah.
0: College football is back. That's where I dominated last year, so hopefully all is well.
1: Yeah, I, I, it's funny. I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'm, I'm kind of over betting baseball. I have a couple future bets still out there. Um, I'm down to – well, I'm on, I'm on absolute fumes in my two other sports future bets. I've got the Islanders yeah. to win the Stanley Cup, and they took a bad beat on Wednesday night, losing with nine seconds to go. And I, even though the Rockets feel like they're in the series with the Lakers, they're my last future bet to win it all in the NBA, I just – I'm not feeling it anymore. Russell Westbrook pisses me off. So,
0: <laughs> Sounds good. Well, let's jump right into it and get to some NFL talk. Week one of the season is upon us, and it gets underway tonight with the Texans taking on the defending Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. The Bengals will open their season at 4.05 on Sunday when they host the San Diego Chargers, a game that can be seen on Local 12. So Skinny, I'll ask you this. How would you define success for this year's Bengals team after they only won two games a season ago?
1: Yeah, and that seems to be the question. Nobody wants to pin a number on it to some degree. And I guess I understand that because there are different degrees of success when you have a rookie quarterback and, and a lot of new parts. And I think part of it is does this team is, is this team competitive week in and week out? And You know, is it able to get better? And is Joe Burrow able to get better? Um, You know, I I could see anything for eight, nine winners if this team stays healthy and and Joe Burrow's the guy we think and Jonah Williams is the guy we think. And, you know, one of those rookie linebackers eventually pans out to play with Jermaine Pratt and the corners all stay healthy because they're not very deep at that position. But I'm giving you a lot of ifs there, aren't I? I mean, a lot of them. Yeah. So for me, I'm just going to define the success of – is this team getting better? And if injuries occur, I, you know, I I, I, I got to give a little bit of a free pass. But the bottom line, is, is Joe Burrow getting better week to week to week? It, when you look at it, does it feel like the Joe Burrow, Brian Callahan, Zach Taylor kind of marriage is going to work? Um, it sure seems like it is at this point. They're all saying the right things about each other. Um, you know, they, they vote Joe Burrow a captain, which is, is interesting. I mean, I, I – I, it's a little surprising, but I guess it's not just based on the way they've all talked about his leadership qualities. So, yeah, I, I, that, that to me, I, I can't really give a number because I, I, I don't know how I want to define that number. I mean, I, I want to see them play a game. I want to see Joe Burrow play a game before I can give a number to some degree. Well, I even, think, though we're, even though we're going to do that here in a minute.
0: Yeah, I think the fact that no one is putting a number on it and everyone is saying things like, oh, it's kind of a moving target. It's more about the progress the team is showing everything means that everyone accepts that this isn't going to be a very good team. I mean, I think that's a good thing that that no one here – it's not like the red season where everyone's like, oh, yeah, this is a playoff team. They right. they spent the money. They're going to be back there. The Bengals spent a lot of money. But I think it's good that the city, at least for the most part from what I've seen, seems to have the expectations of this is a total rebuild. They, they still have a ways to go even with Joe Burrow before they're going to be back to being a winning football team. I don't think many people are expecting them to go over 500. I, I well, certainly
1: don't. yeah, I think I think the other thing to it, Rick, is we we just we haven't seen Joe Burrow in a real game. I mean, I, I could maybe even pass a little judgment on trying to figure out a number if I'd at least seen him play in a game. I saw him play in two scrimmages where he doesn't get hit, and so yeah. But that to I, me do makes you think it that's
0: harder. Do you, yeah, but I mean, for you, for for guys who are really analyzing this stuff and see the day to day. But for like the general, you know, just chatter around the team, whether it be sports talk or, or just fans. Do you think that's what's holding them back or or making them have some reservations about this team? Because I think people are really confident that Joe Burrow is going to be good. I think there's just serious questions about the rest of this team that's around him and whether the Bengals have enough yet.
1: Yeah, no, and that's, and that's fair. I mean, we still don't like what's going on at right tackle. At least the fan base doesn't, the coaching staff seems to, but the fan base doesn't, you know, I mean, your, your second linebacker right now is a career journeyman, and it's great they voted him captain, but the reason he's played for four different teams in 10 years and has barely started in his career. I mean, the injury to Trey Waynes has Darius Phillips starting at corner, which I like, but Darius Phillips is fairly injury-prone or is shown to be. And then after that, it's a huge drop-off. So, I mean, there's, I mean, can A.J. Green, it, the first route he runs and the first time he goes up for a pass, are you going to hold your breath or not hold your breath?
0: Yeah, I'll be holding I mean,
1: breath. right. Sure. Right. I mean, so, I think that's why it's hard to pin a number because there's just there's just so little depth in some spots and so many key guys that have to perform to a high level from Burrow to Jonah Williams to AJ Green, who all at this point of their careers, honestly, AJ Green is back to me to being an unknown. Joe Burrow is an unknown. Jonah Williams is an unknown. So I think that's why it's hard to pin it uh, on on pin a number on that. Although again, like I said, we're going to try here in a minute.
0: Yeah, I, I do think though. This is a results-driven league, and you are—you've got Joe Burrow, and when you have a, a talented quarterback under the rookie contract, that is usually your window to win in the NFL. Like that's when you have to get it done True. a lot of times, and so the the clock does start ticking at this point. And so I I do think if there has to be kind of a cutoff point. So for me, I'd say that cutoff point is probably anything under five wins is a failure this year. Like if you're four wins or under again, I. It, may, it depends on how you get there to an extent yes but but I think you really have to consider moving on from Zach Taylor after this year well and, and that, that that
1: window is now yeah that's the interesting dilemma because um, let's say Joe just completely buys into Zach even if things aren't going right as far as wins go that, that you know Joe feels like he's making progress we're watching Joe making progress maybe they're losing games 31 27 because the defense can't play and, and the offense is doing its thing I do think this, and, and it's the question that, that a lot of people have brought up: is uh, you know what's the leash for Zach Taylor? I, I think I told you last week on the podcast I, I'd like to see this this develop over the next four years, just so Joe Burrow has some continuity. But uh, my mind's changed a little bit based on some people I talked to. That look, if it's a disaster, if it's what you're talking about, which is just another three and thirteen, unmitigated disaster. I didn't even think last year was a disaster. I don't because I thought they were really competitive for a bad team. Um, but if it is a disaster, I think then you have to make really probably the snap judgment decision of, look, we're not going to, we're not going to wait two more years to make this decision or one more year. Let's get Joe a new, new voice, new set of set of eyes, et cetera. But I don't think that's the case. I think Joe Burrow is all bought in on Zach Taylor. And as the year goes on and we see it when quarterbacks are unhappy, right? They hold more cards than the head coach does, especially if it's a guy who's the number one overall pick. You'll know, I think, if Joe Burrow isn't happy with the direction that that, that Zach Taylor and the coaching staff is going in. But I I don't see that happening. I think they really do enjoy working with each other. And I know it's the honeymoon phase, but I really believe that that I think I'd like to see them mature as a group.
0: Yeah, I don't think Zach Taylor is going to be like a guy who's difficult to deal with or a guy that players hate playing for. But in the NFL, I do think you have to win football games. And last year, look – the Bengals were intentionally trying to lose games. When they when they switched out Andy Dalton, that quarterback, for a few games, they were intentionally trying to lose at that point. I mean, that was very odd. I mean, sure, you wanted to see what you had to a certain extent, but more so, you were trying to tank for Burrow. And so later in the season, it felt like this team was finding ways to lose games, and that was fine. Everyone wanted them to get the number one pick. This year, that won't be the case. You'll have a team that's that's grinding, scrapping, theoretically, until that final week trying to get better because you've got a young quarterback and a team you're trying to build around. So this year, if you lose all those close games, um, it it will depend. Like, like you said, is the defense just giving up all those points and the offense is making progress? Well, then I think it's, it's a lot easier to swallow and you're okay moving forward with Zach Taylor. But if, if this team does not look competent, if this is like a same old Bengals scenario this year, then I think the NFL has shown it's prudent to keep moving on until you find the right guy. Like the 49ers pretty much showed that, that it's in the NFL, maybe more so than any other sport, because like in college football, you've got recruiting, right? It's, it's completely different. But in the NFL, I think finding the right coach is very important, and it doesn't hurt you as much to keep trying until you find that right coach, even if the turnover is fairly quick.
1: Yeah, and and let's remind ourselves while we're talking about this though that this is a a an ownership group that is that is not quick to to make those type of changes. So I think what we're talking about is going to be a moot point when all is said True. and done. To be honest with you,
0: no, I agree with that. I mean, it's it's probably not likely that the Bengals would move on from Zach Taylor, but if you're actually trying to be a competitive NFL organization, I think this year for Zach Taylor is really important and you have to, um, I agree. I I mean, I was, I was was
1: critical hiring. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was critical of the hiring just because he had no experience in this role, but I've, I've come to really like a lot of things that, that he seems to do. And I'm just telling you, I, you can feel, and it's different this year because we're not in the locker room, but you can feel when players don't buy into a coach. And I, I never believed that at any point last year, and I sure don't believe it this year. So we'll see how it progresses.
0: Yeah, let me be clear that I actually have confidence in Zach Taylor. I, I know it probably sounds like I'm down on him or I, I want him out. That's not no, the case. No, I do like him, but I'm just saying you have to be very critical with him this year.
1: Yeah, no, what you're asking is a fair question. I think that's the question that everybody has is what's the measuring stick because we all gave him a pass last year, and it was an understandable pass. But then, again, what's the line of demarcation for uh, another pass, right? And, and I don't know if we know what that is other than I, I, as long as there's not grousing and grumbling and guys are playing hard and you're watching this rookie quarterback progress, I think that's enough for me this year.
0: I agree. All right, Skinny, the DraftKings Sportsbook currently has the win total for the Bengals set at five and a half games this year. So let's play the win-loss game with the Bengals' schedule, and we'll start with this week's game at home against the Los Angeles
1: Chargers. What do you think? I think they win. I, I really do. I think you know Tyrod Taylor is, is not going to come in and beat you. Um, Mike Pouncey, the center, um, is, it may, may miss the game, and that's a big miss if he doesn't play. Mike Williams, the, the wide receiver who compliments Keenan Allen, may not play derwin james their fine safeties out for the year because of surgery so they've got a handful of problems themselves do the chargers um you know they're kind of in that that it looked like they were in that window to win decided it was time to move on from philip rivers and and draft their quarterback of the future justin herbert and yet tyrod taylor is going to start and tyrod taylor is a perfectly capable competent um third tier player quarterback in this league who has a backup is the perfect guy. He's going to be a pro. He's going to prepare. He's going to get ready. He's going to not hurt you, but he's not going to go win games for you. And so I do think, I, I think, I think the Bengals get a win in week one.
0: I wouldn't entirely rule that out. And to be honest with you, when I go over to Indiana this week, I'll probably put something on the Bengals just for the fun of, of wanting the Bengals to win that first game. But at the same time, The idea of guys like Bosa and Ingram coming full force off the edge at rookie Joe Burrow with guys like Bobby Hart blocking for him, just, I think it's going to be a rough day for the Bengals offense. I'm going to get a loss there. Week two, we've got the Bengals at Cleveland. This is a Thursday night game on the NFL Network. What do you say about week two?
1: Yeah, that's that's an easy loss in my opinion. I just don't, I don't, Cleveland's a, Cleveland is a better team, um, they're probably a borderline playoff team and on the road in a quick turnaround, no chance.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that, which takes us to week three, September 27th, the Sunday game. That's at Philadelphia at 1 PM. What do you think?
1: It, another loss. Philadelphia's just a better team. They've, they've had some injuries along the offensive line, but they feel like they've kind of reshuffled them. And um, again, just, just a better team. And I know that's it's, you know, we're, when we talk in terms of road games this year, we also have to factor in, all right, well, it's not kind of the crowd situation, but it's still on the road in the league um yeah that's that's another l
0: so you have them at one and two after september i'm at zero oh and three heading into the first weekend of october a sunday game at 1 p.m against jacksonville that's a home game this is a winnable one what
1: do you think jacksonville is clearly the worst team in the nfl i don't wow. even think that well washington's damn close in my opinion but say, me, jack, jack jacksonville's horrible Bengals get a get an easy win here nice bounce back to go to two and two after four games and maybe maybe get a little confidence going
0: yeah, I think this is Burroughs' first win as well. So then we have week five, Sunday, October 11th, at Baltimore, 1 p.m. game.
1: Uh, do we even have to say what we think is going to happen
0: there? No, I don't think so. Okay. Fine, and moves on. us to week two, six.
1: Two, 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 two and three for me, one and four for you.
0: <laughs> yep, at Indianapolis, week six.
1: Um, I think this is one of those 50-50 games you can go win because I just I don't know where Phillip Rivers is in his career. I didn't think he was great last year. He's another year longer in the tooth even though I drafted TY Hilton on my fantasy team, it does feel like every year TY Hilton gets hurt at some point. And so I am I'm, I'm going to go loss just again because I think if if Indy's healthy, um, they are the better team by far. So I'll I'll go I'll go 2 and 4. Uh, yeah, 2 and 4 at this point.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. The, I think this one is a battle, but I think this is one of those games where the Bengals one having a, a rookie quarterback is probably going to show and then also, I mean, the defense, the issues with the defense, I still just don't think this team is quite there yet. This is one of those games that they can't quite get over the hump on, uh, but they'll be in it. Then that brings us to week seven, a home game against the Browns.
1: I'm going to give this one a win. Um, I, I you know, if I, I think Cleveland is going to be a playoff caliber team, but um, are they the kind of team that, let's face it, in this league that, that is going to be focused enough when they play an opponent they should beat? that can go on the road and do so. And I just don't know if the Browns are there yet. So I'm going to give the Bengals a win.
0: I'm with you on this one. First of all, when's the last time the Browns swept the Bengals in a season? It's uh, They did two years ago, I think, if I'm not oh, mistaken. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay, but, so but, that but, wasn't but, a very good
0: time. But it has yeah, the Yeah, no, 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 have... no but
1: been very dominated. good in this series yeah. it's been yes, what eight correct. of the last that,
0: 11 or something for the Bengals yeah, so
1: that, that that's correct they, they've dominated this series of late
0: yeah I, I don't see Cleveland winning both games this year so I'll give the Bengals the home win as well um, to give them their second win in my opinion you have them with three wins at this point which brings us to week eight at home against the Tennessee Titans I assume that one's a loss
1: I, I don't know if I'd assume it because I'm just I just don't know look Ryan Tannehill did some magical things last year and that was all well and good but um, I'm gonna go win because I, I think Tennessee's gonna get wow. off to a sluggish start, and I think they're because there's always that team the year before that makes the playoffs, and you're like, man, they got a couple of nice parts, and then you realize, no, they just kind of caught lightning in a bottle, and Derrick Henry is w- w- was just superb, and and they've they've had to turn to him so much that I wonder if he starts getting beat up. I'm gonna go Bengal win here. I, I really and truly am four and four at the bye week.
0: Yeah, I don't see that. I think Derrick Henry runs for about 230 yards against the Bengals linebackers, and they lose that game. So the bye week is Week Nine, as you mentioned, and Week Ten is at Pittsburgh, 1 p.m. game on
1: Fox. Yeah, I think Pittsburgh's terrible, especially offensively. I just I don't. I, I know everybody keeps looking and telling me that Ben Roethlisberger is gonna. You know, he's feeling good. He looks good. He's an old guy playing quarterback coming off a major surgery. I think that's a lot to ask. They didn't run the ball great last year. They weren't very good offensively. Obviously, it's still a tremendous defense. And because of that, that this could be one of the ugly games of the year where you go in and you fight tooth and nail and lose something like 13 to 10. But the bottom line is Pittsburgh's owned the Bengals of, of late. Um, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's impossible for me to pick the Bengals here. I got to go Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, especially at Pittsburgh. I'm with you on yeah. that one. And uh, week 11 is at Washington, another winnable game.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go win here. Um, I, I, I think they get that road win. I think Washington is a, is a train wreck. They got a lot of rebuilding to do. Um, I just, I've never been sold on Dwayne Haskins. I don't know if they're completely sold. He's won the quarterback job, but will he even be starting by then? Will it be one legged Alex Smith starting by then? Maybe. Oh, God. Um, you know, I, I yeah, I, I think they go to Washington and get the victory.
0: I'm with you on this one. I think they will be. I think Washington is the worst team in football, and I think this year is just going to be an absolute disaster for them. It's been that way for months already leading up to the season. I don't think that's going to stop. The one thing I am excited to see is Chase Young play for them, and he could be a problem for the Bengals' offensive line potentially, but I think they'll have enough to get this one done, so I'll take a win there as well which takes us to week 12, a home game against the New York Giants at 1 p.m. on Fox. What do you think about that one?
1: I think the Giants are actually going to be improved. Um, in fact, uh, in, in a couple of pick em leagues that I'm in, I, I've got them beating Pittsburgh in week one at home. I think they're a six-point dog, and that, that looks like a big number in my opinion. Um, I, I think they get the win, though. I think the Bengals get the win, um, although you could argue Daniel Jones. How much better is he going to be in year two? uh Saquon Barkley can they figure out a better way to use him um will they be better defensively I, I, I'm gonna give the Bengals a win because it's being at home
0: I think this is going to be a really close game a 50-50 game but I'm going to say the Bengals lose this one really only because I can't have them on a three-game winning streak here and I think they're <laughs> going to win at Miami in week 13 well, what do you think but, about the but, Miami but, game
1: but but here's the thing yeah and it's, it's at it's at Miami correct right
0: yeah games at yeah, Miami yeah
1: yeah, um, I think Miami proved last year they're going to keep playing hard. I think we'll probably see Tua by this point. Yeah. And if we do, it means Tua is probably playing pretty well because I think they're going to turn the keys to him You a know, well, handful of games in. I, don't,
0: I think they might wait a little bit later than that and then just turn it over to him for good. I don't see Maybe. them doing the whole well, – uh, Week 12
1: rot- is pretty late. I mean, week 12 you know, is pretty yeah. late in the year.
0: No, I agree with you, but what I'm saying t- t- to you is I don't know that he's necessarily going to be like playing lights out. You know what I mean? Because I don't know if this team, that team around him is going to allow him to play lights out.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'm, I'm still going to go Miami with a, with a victory. It's one of those ones where I don't know if this Bengals team, if you know, I got them coming off a win the week before, is is it mature enough to handle prosperity, right? And I'm going to say they're not. So I'll go yeah. six and seven at this point.
0: So you kind of got the same rationale as I do for the Giants game. I don't think they can win three games in a row. You don't right. think they can win three games in a row, but you already have them winning two with Washington and New right. York. Right. So I'll have them beating uh, Miami. Which takes us to week thirteen. Another one PM game on Sunday. That's at home against Dallas.
1: Dallas is going to be one of the most interesting teams to me. I think they're going to be Agreed. feast or famine. They're either going to be eleven and five, and and be a team you look and go, boy, that team can come out of the NFC. Or by this point, Dak's going to be grumbling, Zeke's going to be grumbling. They're all Jerry's going to be grumbling,
0: and Andy Dalton's going to make his return to Cincinnati. That that, that, would be,
1: that that. Now that would be really something. Wouldn't that be good? Um, yeah, I just, Dallas is a better football team. Um, I, I'm, I'll go Cowboys.
0: Yeah, I think Dallas wins this one by maybe a couple touchdowns with the Bengals riding high off their uh, little 2-1 and scenario over Washington and Miami. Yep. Um, that brings us to Week 15, a home game against Pittsburgh. This is the Monday night game at 8:15 on ESPN. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if we have crowds, you know, a size, more sizable crowd by then. Because if it is, I think you'll have a wired, you know, Monday night crowd, maybe not you know, 100% capacity, but maybe can we get to 40%, 50% by then? And because I told you, I just don't think Pittsburgh's very good. Uh, I think the Bengals win win on Monday night. I think it's kind of the Joe Burrow. I don't want to say coming out party, but it's really his, he's got two national TV games. The Thursday night one early where he's probably going to struggle against Cleveland. And then this one late where you hope he's kind of figured some things out and shows the nation that, okay, I'm the guy that's going to turn this, this, this ship around. So I'll give him a win in this game.
0: Yeah, and I think that's exactly what happens. I think this is the defining rookie game for Joe Burrow. I mean, the, think about it for Bengals fans to beat Pittsburgh Monday night primetime game. It, it's everything that Andy Dalton and sort of right, the right, old right. regime of the Bengals right. couldn't do, right? It's everything yeah, right. that defined them. So if Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor get this win in year two together um, – you can kind of scrap a lot of what else happens in the season. I think that is
1: yeah, no, right, the right. ultimate I like it.
0: win right there for them. And I think they'll get it. I think this is this is the game that they get. and We kind of rally behind, okay, Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor, these are the dudes that are going to get it done for this city. Whether that's true or not, everyone will rally around this game. So I think that's a win. Win number – Uh, that would be number five for me – or four for me, right? Yeah, four.
1: Yeah, four or five. I think you might be at five. No, that's I'm five. At, yeah, I'm at, that's five. I'm at, yeah, that's five. Yeah. I'm at, I'm at seven.
0: Yeah, Washington was three, Miami four, Pittsburgh five, yep. Yep. and yep. so that that brings us to uh, week sixteen at Houston, which is a one p.m. Sunday game.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't see them. I, I, I still think Houston's got enough talent to be a playoff caliber team. Um, and and Deshaun Watson's just a great. I know losing DeAndre Hopkins hurts, but I still think it's a really good team. I'll, I'll go Houston and don't even have to question it.
0: I have some questions about Houston, honestly. And by this point of the season, if things go the wrong way, I think this could be a team that's ripe for the picking late in the year. And who knows? I just think, I just
1: think, yeah, I just think that division though, Rick. I mean, is Indy going to run away with it? Is is no. is, is um is Tennessee going to run away with it? I, I just don't see any of them running away with it. So probably
0: not. They're going to be in it, and so you yeah, know, they're probably. It's probably not a team licking their wounds, but at the same time, if if it's disorganized enough. Um, I think the Bengals sure. will have a chance. I think I, I don't like this Houston team very much going into this year, although I do love Deshaun Watson. Uh, I think this is a game they'll have a chance, and this will be the game that can put them over the edge. So I think they get to five wins. This is the game that could take them to six if they can pull off that upset at Houston, but I don't think they'll get it done so uh, I'll have them losing at Houston. And that brings us to the final game at home against Baltimore, which again, I, I do not think the Bengals will win.
1: Yeah. Here's the thing. Usually week 17s are hard to predict, right? Because you, you, um, you know, everybody's kind of settled into where they're going to be playoff picture wise, but now that there's only the one bye, um this, this year, the the one seed um, it is potential that Baltimore has to win this game. If it's battling with probably Kansas city for the one seed, I think Kansas City's going to end up going probably 14 and two, and it's not going to make it matter anyway, but Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still going to go Baltimore just, just based on that. I mean, again, this could be the layup game where Baltimore rests everybody. And you're like, Oh, well, you went eight and eight, but yeah, you won the last game on a, on a plane, a bunch of scrubs, but now I'm, I'll, I'll go Baltimore. I mean, I'm going seven and nine. And, and honestly, the more I went through that, that exercise, I, I feel good about seven and nine all of a sudden.
0: Really? To me, six would be great. If they win six games, I yeah. think it would be a really nice year for this team to go from two wins to six wins, especially against the schedule where I don't see an opportunity for a lot of wins. I'd I'd be okay with that. If they get over six wins, if you're talking seven or somehow eight wins, um, build build the statue now for Joe Burrow and maybe put Zach Taylor up there with him because well, and the funny part is you to, that.
1: Yeah, you get to eight wins this year. You might be knocking on a playoff door. That's,
0: that's the thing. I mean, you're in the conversation. And, and the thing is, 2021, there's all types of reason for optimism. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that would be an ideal scenario, I think, if you're a Bengals fan. All right, Skinny, I have some rapid-fire questions for you that I'm just going to reel off. You're covering the team every day. Um, you're doing all these Zoom interviews with players and coaches and everything else. So you've got some good insight to the team. I'm not even going to chime in on these. I'm just going to throw them out to you and and let you sort of rapid-fire answer these, all right?
1: All right, fire away. All
0: right. Will we learn more about Joe Burrow or Zach Taylor this season? Joe Burrow. Which position group will be the most improved from last season?
1: It better be linebacker, right? I want to see one of those rookies in there at some point playing alongside Jermaine Pratt. I I have to go linebacker.
0: Over-under 12 games played by A.J. Green this year. I'm going under. Oh boy. Which second year player will take the bigger step forward, Michael Jordan or Jermaine Pratt?
1: I'll say Jermaine Pratt because I thought he made really good progress last year. I don't think Michael Jordan's going to be far behind, but it's always hard to quantify alignment other than if you don't notice him. But I'll, I'll go Jermaine Pratt. I think he's, he's poised to finally start figuring it out.
0: Who makes a bigger impact, John Ross or T. Higgins?
1: Uh, I'll go, oh man, that's good. Uh, I'll go John Ross. Um, I just don't know if T's going to get enough snaps to, to do it yet. I, I, I think John – I don't think John will play a whole lot of games, but I think the games he plays, I think he'll make an impact.
0: It's got to be tough for a guy like T Higgins coming in with the no preseason stuff, right? right I mean, for correct, a receiver, correct. that would seem like some good time to get your feet wet a little bit and get into the mix and, and show you what you can do. So
1: And, and missing some camp too.
0: Yeah. Uh, and finally, who makes a bigger impact, Von Bell or Josh Bynes?
1: Oh, Von Bell, it's not even close. I, Josh Bynes is a great guy. I'm glad they named him captain. They seem to all like him. But like I mentioned, I mean, what Josh Bynes is going to be in theory is play first down, stop the run, get off the field, get one of the young guys in there, get more athletic. Von Bell, I'm telling you, he likes to hit people. And he, you'll see him playing. I think when Sean Williams comes back from, from injury, I think you're going to see more of that three safety look when all is said and done with Sean Williams uh, playing on the back end and Von Bell playing down in the box. Von Bell by far, I don't think he'll even be close.
0: All right, that's all I got. What I miss is there anything else uh, fans should be looking out for as we no, get into this Bengals season?
1: I, I like your over under on uh, on 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 AJ Green. I, I I'm sorry I got to be a skeptic in the group, but I, I I'm telling you, Sunday it wouldn't shock me if Sunday three plays in he's off the field again. I hope I'm wrong. I hope by week sixteen he's the AJ Green we've always seen and he's played all those games. But I'm sorry, it's just it feels like every time he pushes himself down, he goes.
0: I agree, but I mean, I don't know if I've ever felt this way about a player as much as I do AJ Green. Where I could see this year him still being one of the best receivers in the NFL and kind of drinking from the fountain of youth with a new young quarterback that he's excited about, and and things go great and he has an incredible year and is still a top, I don't know, six, seven, eight receiver in the NFL, or I could, like you said, see him being out first couple plays and having a total nothing season being a non-factor completely.
1: I yeah. Do. I'm actually, I'm actually writing a column about, about kind of his situation. Um, today it'll be up probably later today on local 12.com. Um, cause I think we're talking to AJ today. Uh, I, I, Rick, all I know is we were told he was going to play in one of the two scrimmages. He didn't. And, you know, it's all well and good for them to do some stuff in walk throughs and, and, and whatnot, but we don't, we don't get a chance to see practice now other than when they stretch and warm up and do some install stuff. So I don't see him pushing it there. I will say it was a good sign on Wednesday that he didn't show up on the injury report and, and was apparently a full participant in practice, but it just feels like every time he tries to push it, he hurts something. And I'm, it sucks. It's awful to watch. Cause Man, at one point in time, this guy was on on the path to be a Hall of Famer. So I, like I said, I hope I'm wrong, but I just what I've I, I know what I've seen over the last year two years about, and it's been a guy that when he pushes himself, something goes awry.
0: All right, let's switch gears from football to baseball. Cincinnati Reds president of baseball operations Dick Williams expressed confidence in manager David Bell and his coaching staff Tuesday, but he said he would be extremely disappointed if the team fails to make the playoffs. Quote. We study every game. We go back and we review them and the decisions that were made, he said, and the decisions that this coaching staff have made have been made with great rationale. The main glaring statistic for us is the underperformance of the offense and the batting average on balls in play. The old yeah, bad
1: skinny. Bad it, baby. I love it. Yeah, it's everybody's now trotting that out as this is the most unlucky team in the history of baseball. Yeah.
0: What do you think Dick Williams' comments mean for David Bell's
1: future? Uh, I think it means they better make the playoffs. I think we've kind of talked about that, and I, I think that was kind of – maybe thinly veiled because I just don't know how you sell him to the fan base. If you're going to have fans in the stands next year and have your fan base get excited by it. He's just, he's not a very exciting guy and that's okay. If you're winning games and you're not an exciting guy, that's okay. But he's just, it's its hard to get behind him and things that have taken place, I think, for the fan base. And, I, you know, look, I, I get it. I get Babbitt, but I get that they probably are a bit unlucky. But I also watch them take a bunch of horrific at-bats night after night after night after night after night. And, um, you know, they got rid of Turner Ward after one year. Um, You know, they're on a second-hitting coach. You know, how much more do you – do you do there so yeah I'd be extremely disappointed too if they don't make the playoffs because I think this is it's too good of a, a front end of the rotation and it's got too too much money that was spent on some bats and yeah I know guys are underperforming I mean you can almost point to literally every guy and say that guy's underperforming but at some point somebody's held accountable and as you know the old, the old theory uh, you, you can't fire all 25 but you can fire the, 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 the one in charge and that's the other part I mean I'll give you that maybe that they've been unlucky, and the Babbit proves that and and um you know he's turned to Ri Iglesias, and he's failed probably more times than you'd like him to, but you know you you still are in charge of some of the decision making that that's going on and and it's just two years of almost watching teams play kind of listless and. Um, and I don't need teams fired up on a nightly base. Baseball is not like that, as you know, Rick. But I, it just doesn't feel like there's ever a sense of urgency with him or this team, and we're waiting for the process. Well, here we are again with a sub-500 record for an umpteenth year, and I'm I'm probably like a lot – I'm just sick of watching it. It's not, it's not even – honestly, they're boring. I, I turn them on anymore, and I go, eh, it's, this is boring.
0: Yeah, it, that's, that's the biggest issue I have is they are just really hard to watch. And like you said, the, the constant just – Pathetic at bats that are offered up at the plate by this team. I don't, I don't see that from everybody else. I mean, it, it, you hate to say guys aren't trying or guys are checked out, but when guys are just constantly flailing at breaking balls that are way out of the zone and they're going down on, you know, they get up an account and then they end up striking out on three straight pitches without even looking like they gave themselves a chance. It's you start wondering, are guys checked out or
1: no? Just I, not I care. I, I, What's I, going on there? I wonder about their approach at the plate. It's the almost, and, and, and I've gotten some feet, some pushback from fans when I've made fun of some bad at bats. Of oh, it's a little league strike zone. Well, you know what? I'm sorry, it, it may be, but you're up there to swing the bat, and it feels like they're waiting for for themselves to get ahead two and zero in the count. Hope the guy has to throw one through a little thimble, and they're locked in on that thimble, and then they're going to hit a solo home run. That feels like what it's all about. And then when they get behind in the count, forget it. If anybody ever threw Nick Castellanos another fastball again, they should be, honestly, they should be summarily shot and executed. I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, you can't be any dumber to throw that guy a fastball. I mean, all you're right, though. Throw him a slider that starts in the middle of the plate and breaks away, he got no chance. Hell, he occasionally, hell. occasionally he'll flip one to right, which he should do more often, because I just think he really is a great pure hitter. But now he's kind of falling into that. I'm just up there to wail away and try to hit home runs. And it feels like that's all this team's – concept of the plate is get ahead in account i'm not going to swing at a pitch that i don't like even if it's 2-2 with a man on third and nobody out where i just need to put one in play oh i was a tick of an inch off the plate whoa umpire screwed me swing the bat
0: yeah, you're dead on about Castellanos, but I would say that goes for more than half the team. You just throw Suarez. them the balls in the dirt out yeah. of zone, and they've got no shot. None of them can lay off it. None of none of them feel like they're in there grinding out in that bat. Right, you good bat. right. The one guy who does give you pretty good at bats, in my opinion, is Shogo Akiyama. The problem is when he does put the ball in play, he just rolls it over to an infielder right. and grounds right. out every time. So right. um, aside from him, I don't see – guys that are, are in there battling and and, and giving you tough at bats right now as it stands the marlins would have that final wild card spot. Correct. Um they're a couple games up on the Reds right two and now. Two and a half yeah two and a half two, two and a half two two and a half going into Thursday. Correct. And um the Cardinals are three games ahead of the Reds in second place in the central. So here's the
1: pro- here's the problem though. Look at the crossover games they still got to play. They still got to play the White Sox and Twins. Yeah, and I mean I don't know if it even matters this year because the Reds are as bad as anybody. I mean, we keep saying,
0: "Well, yeah. look, they've got this, they've got the Tigers, they've got the Pirates." It never works out. They don't beat the bad teams, so I don't know what if it matters who they're playing. No, anymore. you're
1: right. And, and look, y'all go back. I'll, yeah, I, you go back to Sunday's game, and while yes, Rizel Iglesias blew it, and I'm not sure I would have trusted him to come in and close the door on Wednesday, but he did. He got a three, you know, a, a three out save very quickly to save the three nothing game over the Cubs. But, you know, you got up to nothing pretty quickly. You know, you're you're allowed to play add-on, but how about you get some nice at-bats and string something together at the plate as opposed to guys just up there wailing away trying to hit home runs. That's what it feels like. It's all this team is up there to try to do is get ahead in the count and hit a home run. And guess what? Looks great. I had a great year. I hit 16 home runs in a short year. You also hit a buck 96 and struck out 57 times. Give me a break.
0: Well, and the thing is, a lot of times with teams like this, you also at least – you maybe feast or famine, but at least you feast sometimes and you bury teams. You know, right. you win 8-1, 7 This team's not doing – they're not putting them away. They're not piling on. They're not playing add-on. It's, no. You get two or three runs, and then they just shut down. And, and you know, the guys that have ERAs of five-and-a-half are pitching three innings against them with no, no runs in sight, not even a guy uh, on right. base
1: that's right I mean,
0: yeah. that, that's the type of stuff that i just can't understand why that keeps happening with this team and um it's frustrating to watch so to bring us back to the original question i think you're absolutely right that if david bell doesn't make the playoffs it sounds like dick williams is setting this up that even despite all the nepotism and the fact that david bell is set up to not fail he doesn't make the playoffs and he might be in some trouble even with the the Cush gig he has set up for uh,
1: him. And, and I'll be honest with you. I, I'm about at the end of the rope with, 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 with Nick crawl and, and, and Dick and Williams. Dick and too. I mean, get them all so, out of what, here. What, what, what have they done? Other than they went out and spent some money on some guys. I mean, you have barely developed any of your own. Um, you've whiffed on a bunch of draft picks and it's not all them, but I mean, goodness gracious, Philip Irvin was a first round pick. He gone. I mean, how many more guys we get to see like that in this organization? And by the way, where in the hell is Nick Senzel? Yeah. Let's go. He's, he's
0: starting to uh, work at Prasco Park again, right? I mean, great. great maybe get getting on? back
1: for the last week. I, I, I think he's going to be back here pretty soon. But And they've missed him. I mean, as goofy as it sounds, they've missed him. But I'm at the stage with that guy, too, of doesn't feel like he can ever stay on the field.
0: No. I mean, look, let's be honest. If you're waiting for Nick Senzel to get back, you've got massive issues. Massive well, you know, I mean,
1: no, I will say the one thing he does do. I think he does give you quality at bats, and he I think does. he does
0: too. But skinny, he's a totally unproven guy at this point. That's just trying to sort of get to to prove himself as an everyday major leaguer. And now we're Dick Williams is talking about him getting back, like oh, once he gets back, we'll be good to go. He'll be the spark for our offense. If that's what you're it, relying on, it ain't going to happen, my man.
1: Yeah, some of that too, I think, is also you're, you're looking for anything to cling to, right? And maybe sure. that's kind of the, well, I'm going to cling to Nick comes back and it settles down our lineup. And But I hope that's it does. where we're at. I mean, it feels like, as goofy as it sounds, and we're running out of time here, but you're, you're a, a, a good week away from putting yourself right back in the playoff mix. Now, you're running out of weeks, but you're only about a good week away.
0: I just don't – I mean, I don't know how anyone at this point has any confidence that they're going to do that. It's not like they're stringing wins together all of a sudden. You know, they're 4-6 and in their last 10. It's not – they're still playing under five hundred as of late. So, all right, let's switch gears here. Uh, Final segment before we get to our bets. The ACC coaches voted Wednesday to propose the expanded 2021 NCAA basketball tournament. Duke coach Mike Krzyzewski released a statement that said, in part, there, quote, is no better way to celebrate the game than involving every team in the most prestigious basketball tournament on the planet. He said the primary factors the coaches considered were the health and safety of players, the incentive that there will be games leading to the tournament, and that they need to be unified as a sport with all 357 Division I teams, even though only 346 would actually be eligible for the tournament. Skinny, what do you think of the ACC coaches' plan to play an all-inclusive NCAA tournament?
1: I thought we kind of already had all-inclusive with conference tournaments, did we not? I that, that, was, that would that, seem to be the case, yeah. I mean, I thought that was kind of like the whittling and narrowing down to where we get to a decent pool of teams that actually have kind of earned their way in. No, it's a – again, what are we doing? I, the, the one thing I will say is is it, it won't take a whole lot longer. You're probably talking about three extra rounds maybe, Rick. But at the same time, um, why? We, we've got I, – I think – I literally think everybody has a conference tournament. Now, the Ivy League was one of those ones for years that did not. They had gone to the tournament format. They might have been the last holdout on that. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they are the la- They were the last holdout to not have a conference. That's what we have. We have a narrowing down process called conference tournaments, and I think there's something to be said for the conference tournaments. I, I think the fans love being able to go. Now, again, I don't know where we're going to be in March with this stupid COVID, but um, if we're thinking of having an all-inclusive NCAA tournament, hopefully that means we're thinking in positive terms that – we're going to be playing basketball and playing it in somewhat of a normal season. Then let's just do the conference tournaments like we've always done. What, what, what are we doing? Well,
0: and if you were going to do this all inclusive NCAA tournament, any feasible plan would include something that looks a lot like gasp conference tournaments. Like, right. You can't just send any, everyone to the same spot. And pl- I mean, you'd have certain pods and either you would do it by region or by conference, which would seem to make more sense. And you'd basically play some type of conference tournament out. So, I don't think this was ever an actual serious plan. And and Dan Gavitt has come out this morning since we recorded this podcast and said, we have, we're not planning anything like this. This is, we don't have any contingency plans for an all inclusive tournament at this point. Um,
1: Watch out coach. K might cry about this. Well, and I,
0: I think that's the more interesting part is what was the point of putting this out there? Because clearly, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think they really believed it. And it sounded like it, I know Brian Snow was tweeting about the fact that uh, he was talking to coaches who were basically saying, uh, We just didn't want to fight with Coach K over it in a meeting because we know there's no chance of it happening. But none of us are on board with this.
1: Yeah, um, it's, just,
0: it's just weird. I don't get I I see two catastrophic issues with playing the season as is and why you might think an all-inclusive NCAA tournament would help. One, if teams get sick and have to miss a few weeks or more, like, you know, we're seeing these ideas talked about. I was talking about with Mario Mercurio where maybe you would, you know, under the quote-unquote bubble idea, you would take four or five teams to to a certain gym or a certain location and have them play a little round robin side where they're all playing each other over the course of a weekend. And that's how you knock out, you know, half of your conference games or something all at once. Well, if a team has Corona sweep through there and you can't play all of a sudden for two, three weeks or more, what would you do? Like, how do you see the tournament? How do you do anything that's fair or equitable at the end of the year if some teams have only played half the amount of games that the other teams have played? I think that's a a serious issue and one that I don't know how you get around in college basketball. Um, It's even more difficult, in my opinion, than it would be for, like, MLB. And the second is – small schools opting out on the season schools that don't have a chance to make the NCAA tournament. Anyway, they stink. They're not good. They don't make money. They don't have fans. Are they really going to put themselves at risk, spend more money on protocols, go, go about this. If there's really no point and no money for them at the end.
1: Yeah, Rick, I think that's an interesting, interesting question, and I don't know if NKU maybe doesn't fall into that, that category, right. right? I mean, yeah. they, they don't have a big TV deal in the Horizon League. They do count on fans for revenue, and if we're not back to a, a, you know, a normal level of fans, can, can a lot of those mid-majors to lower mid-majors, can they even field a team and, and, and feasibly um, do it financially?
0: Right, and so I see how saying just everyone's in the tournament can kind of help you in those two areas. It gives the the small schools a little more incentive during the regular season, like, hey, we're in, so might as well stick this out and see what happens when we get to the tournament. It'll be a weird, crazy thing to to showcase our school and our fans and everything else. It'll be nationally televised. It's great exposure. And two, you would have the opportunity, like, if a team happened to miss two weeks, you just say, well, screw it, you're in the tournament. I mean, your your seed's going to be affected or whatever, but you're in the tournament, so you don't have to worry about that. It's it's still going to be fair in that regard. So. I do think it solves those two issues a little bit maybe or at least gives you an option there but the problem is it creates a ton more issues and and the idea yes. like the the logistics of just holding the tournament won't work and the idea that this would be safe in any way shape or form is just silly. I mean we don't know Not where great. this whole thing will be at in March maybe maybe we'll be fine and you won't have to worry about it but I have I have to think that was the assumption by them with this idea because otherwise adding everyone traveling all at once and putting seemingly a bunch more teams into certain uh, areas, wherever they'd be playing this, whether it be hotels, gyms, whatever, that would seem like the least safe thing to do uh, is put all the teams out at once. So I, I, I just don't think this was ever a realistic thing. I don't, I'm still not exactly sure what the angle was for coach K here.
1: Oh, coach K's fighting for the little guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I bet. I would have. I, I do
0: say though, someone has to come out. Whoever, whichever bracketologist comes out with the all inclusive three forty six bracket, that's the guy that from now on we that's cite. Go to guy. No that's more Joe Lunardi. Guy? No more Jerry Palm. Whoever comes up with the all inclusive bracket, that's our guy from now on. He's the, the, the guy funny in March that we're we're talking to.
1: Yeah, the funny part is you'd have to find a way to probably whittle it down in some playing games to two fifty six down to 128, down to 64. You know, Believe it or not, it's probably not as hard as you think it is, but you got to whittle it down to like that doable number where the math works out as you work yourself down the bracket. So what would you say, 346 teams are eligible? So, yeah. so 90 would have to – well, more than that, 180 would have to play some sort of a play-in game-type format um, to get you down to a doable number. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, that would be the part for me drawing up the damn bracket, let alone coming up with the, the bracketology of it.
0: Yeah, and at that point, I mean, again, you have conference tournaments. Like, a lot of this stuff is just right. redundant with the ideas that right. people are coming up with to actually make this happen. So um, I, I don't think there's any realistic possibility of this happening. Dan has said that they're not considering it, um, and I don't think anyone would have really been on board for this, although it would have been hilarious. I mean, honestly, having this event at the end of the year with, like, the worst teams in college basketball playing on that, you know, Monday or Tuesday leading up to – The Thursday or Friday of the tournament would just be outstanding comedy.
1: And you know who'd want to host all those games? Dayton would want to host them. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah, they would. And they'd sell it out if they were
0: allowed. Uh, They'd probably a super spreader event like you've never seen. Exactly. They probably would. They They are ground zero from what I hear right now. Big shocker there. Dayton has more COVID cases per capita than anywhere in the world from what I hear. That's a source on Twitter. I don't want anyone to sue me for that for slander.
1: But yeah, I saw I, that I on Twitter wanted, somewhere. I just want to go to say something nasty about Dayton.
0: Yep. That's all it's about here. All right. Let's get into our betting segment. Skinny with the, the NFL upon us. We have to start off with some Bengals specific stuff before we get into yep. our picks. All right. Yep. So I've got which Bengals future do you like the best Bengals to be AFC North champs at 25 to one <clears throat> Bengals to be to uh, win the AFC championship at 66 to one.
1: That's a terrible odd. That should be like 250 to 1. Which I did
0: see a guy had it at 250 to 1, but right now... I did did too. As of this morning, DraftKings Sportsbook has it at 66 to 1. Super Bowl champs, 150 to 1.
1: It better be 150,000 to 1 for me (laughs) to pluck a dollar on it, but yeah, go ahead. Win total,
0: over under 5.5 is the current line by DraftKings Sportsbook, but over is minus 134, under is plus 110.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to – I mean, I, I got to seven in our little exercise and felt pretty good about it. I guess I'd have to go over. Yeah, see, if I'm
0: betting that one, I'd be real tempted to go on that um, under for the value of the plus 110. That's, yeah. that's pretty good. I, I could easily see this team winning four or five games. So
1: I would say a two-and-two two start, though, would put a big damper in it. You'd be holding your breath the rest of the year for sure. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, but I don't think they're
1: starting two-and-two. Two. Anyway, okay. to make
0: the playoffs, yes, plus 625, no, minus 1,000.
1: Yeah, there's no there's no value in, in either side of that. No, no, thank you. I, the no would be the one, but I'm not putting up a thousand to win a hundred on something that, again, in this year where you don't know what's going to happen. No, thank you.
0: Coach of the Year Zach Taylor, twenty-eight to one.
1: That's a good one. If they went, hear me out. If they went seven and nine, and Joe Burrow looked good, um, and let's just say Andy Reid goes fourteen and two, and and, and and John Harbaugh's team goes thirteen and three, um, which you kind of expected. I think a seven and nine Zach Taylor would maybe be AFC Coach of the Year. I kind of like that at twenty eight to one.
0: I think he'd be in the conversation. I mean, if they get to eight and eight, I think there's no doubt Zach Taylor is yeah. coach of the year. Um, if they have a losing record, it might be tough for him to get it, even though that would be a huge improvement. Uh, I don't know. This is a lot of times a most improved ah. type award, though. So
1: a, a twenty to win five sixty bet on that. I I think I'd risk the twenty bucks.
0: Yeah, it's interesting at least. And then finally, we have. Joe Burrow for MVP at plus, well, it would be a hundred to one odds basically. And Burrow offensive rookie of the year at plus two fifty or two and a half to one odds.
1: I like the Burrow for rookie of the year. I mean, yeah, he's, he's the favorite gonna, though. Yeah, he's going to start from. Well, that's, that's still pretty good price. I mean, five to two on that. I, I, I think I, I think I'd take that and, and run with it. I mean, the only other option for me, off the top of my head, that would be, and I don't know where he's at in the odds. He's probably number two. Would be Clyde edwards lair um, the running back from Kansas city. Um, who, Who's behind Burrow? Do you know?
0: Yeah. It's Clyde Edwards Hilaire at plus 300. And then there's a big drop off to Jonathan Taylor at plus 900 and then to a tag of a low at plus 1000.
1: Yeah. I think Jonathan Taylor's probably going to eventually supplant Marlon Mack in, in Indy. And I guess he could conceivably do it because they would have a chance to be a playoff team. But yeah, I, I like Burrow. I, I, not for MVP. I there's no way I'd put even a dollar on that one either, but, but for, rookie of the year I like that that's it I thought maybe he'd be like negative 160 so I think yeah I'm because a little bit of odds on that I like it
0: yeah I, I agree I was a little shocked that you got plus odds there because he's the guy that's clearly starting at quarterback for the Bengals and a lot of people expect him to do well and then after that you know other than Clyde Edwards hilarious kind of a lot of question marks in terms of the role for right the other right. rookies so yep um all right, there you go. Let's get into our pick segment. We don't have any local college games this week. Instead of throwing some random games on the slate, we just said let's go with our, our typical NFL game. So right. for those, of, those of you who haven't listened in the past, we do the Thursday we do all the primetime games. So Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night. We also do the Bengals game every week. So this week there are two Monday night games, so we get an extra bonus one. That's right. Starting with Thursday night, eight twenty PM, we got the Texans at the Chiefs. The Chiefs
1: are nine point favorites. The total is fifty four and a half. I think Kansas City comes out and steamrolls. I, I and again, I think Houston's pretty good, but I think this Kansas City team because um, you know they've they've got just such great continuity. I think it's a big thing to look for this year is is how many teams got to keep core players together and not only did you keep core players together you made a bunch of them happy by giving them a lot of money and you can argue that that's going to make people fat and sassy and all that stuff i don't think patrick mahomes is going to be that way i i, I don't think travis kelsey's going to be that way um i'll go i'll go what was the over under what was the total 54 and a half yeah i'm gonna go kansas city 41 21 chiefs in the over
0: That's funny. We're really close on this. I got Chiefs on the over as well. I'm going to say Chiefs 42, Texans 17. But I like something you said there because I think it is something I'm going to be watching big time in terms of these early betting lines. The teams that bring everyone back, even if they are fat and happy right now and and a little bit content, I think are going to have a much bigger advantage this year over the other teams who are trying to get on the same page, find chemistry, bring in new pieces strictly because of the lack of the preseason. I mean, we've already seen it in college. I know you were watching the, the Navy-BYU game, and B, uh, Navy's coach comes out and says, we, have, we haven't even tackled yet.
1: Looked like it. <laughs> sure did look like it.
0: So, obviously, yeah, the NFL is going to be a different situation, but I just think this this year is going to be different in that regard, that there hasn't been live game action for anyone, even in a preseason setting, that those teams that have everything coming back are going to have a bigger advantage than usual. So, I'm yep. with you on the Chiefs. Sunday, the Bengals game at 4.05. you got the Bengals hosting the Chargers. The Chargers are three-point favorites. The total is 43.
1: Ooh man, I, I I love. I think the Bengals went out right. I told you that. I'm just trying to figure because I'm right around the total. Uh, I'll go, um, I'll go Bengals twenty three twenty one. Randy Bullock from thirty two yards out on a Joe Burrow led drive at the end to win it. How about that for drama?
0: I like that call. Uh, I do not think you're going to be right though. I'm going to go Chargers twenty four. Bengals 13 here. I just think the Bengals are going to struggle to move the ball at all. I am deathly worried about the pass rush and the offensive line struggles there. And, and Joe Burrow saying that for the first time, uh, I think he's going to be good, but this is just an impossible situation to be put in. Uh, again, t- Chargers 24-13, so that's Chargers and the under. Takes us to the Sunday night game at 8-20. Cowboys at St. Louis – excuse me, Cowboys – at los angeles playing the rams check that yeah cowboys are three point favorites right uh, total is 52 on that one
1: great point is i don't think you called the los angeles i know you didn't call them san diego but yeah we're still in that confusing stage for all these teams um you know it's funny to see where the rams were two years ago right the darlings of the nfl and then just really didn't put a whole lot together last year you thought they were going to follow up on that big time and i think the same thing's going to happen to frisco this year i think you're going to see them slide backwards and i i think i think I think Dallas is going to go in and win. I, I think they win this game. I'll go Dallas, t- Dallas 31-24.
0: God, we're really close on all these numbers. I'm going Cowboys 34, Rams 24, so Cowboys
1: and the over. Were you oh, were you under or over the total player? Uh, what, 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 what's the number again? 52. Yeah, I'm over. 31-24 uh, is what I said. So yeah, okay. fifty five is my total.
0: And then that brings us to the pair of Monday night games. The first one is at seven fifteen. That's Steelers at the Giants. The Steelers are five and a half point favorites. The total
1: is forty six. I know Steelers fans will hate this because they're so they have got such such jaundiced eyes when it comes to looking at their team. I just don't think their team is very good. Um, I don't. I just don't see them doing much offensively. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go Giants outright. I'll go Giants. Giants 19-17 in kind of an ugly slugfest. So the Giants and the under. And oh, I'm gonna take the Gi- I'm taking the Giants on the money line.
0: Okay, I don't know that the Steelers are, are that good, but I definitely don't think the Giants are either. I'm going Steelers here 24-17. So that's Steelers and the under. And that brings us to the final game of the week at 10-10 p.m. on Monday night. Titans at Broncos. Titans are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Total is 41.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously Von Miller's injuries kind of put a damper on things for for Denver, but, uh, you know, there was some talk Denver thinks they're going to be pretty good defensively even without Von Miller. So um, I think Tennessee's that team that we, like I said, with kind of Frisco, you think they're on the cusp, right? You look at them and you go, oh, yeah, that seems like an awful – it sounds like Vegas is trying to reel you in there like, hey, wait, this is a playoff team against a non-playoff team, um, and you're only laying two, and there's no real crowd because of COVID. I'm not getting suckered in. I'm going to take Denver in this one. Denver, 23-17.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that on the the line there. It looks like it is a sucker's line. Um, I think this is going to be a slugfest. I think you're going to see a lot of field goals in this one. I'm going to say Tennessee, 23, Denver, 17. So that would be Titans in the under there.
1: All right, so I'm going Denver in the under. And here's, here's my three-team money line parlay of the week. Okay. Bengals. Bengals, Giants, Broncos.
0: Yeah, nice three underdog parlay right there. I like it. I don't know which game I would pair it with yet, but I will say I am probably going to do something with a uh, Chiefs teaser there. Them being at nine, being able to take that down to three. uh, Yeah, that's a good call. That feels like a slam dunk, can't miss opportunity right there.
1: I'm with that's a good call.
0: So I, I would look at that as well. All right, Skinny, let's go ahead because we got a bunch of them. Let's jump into the Ask Skinny Anything segment. People ask you their questions about really whatever they want, and we uh, talk about it. So All we right, start golly. off with, if you could time travel. these are There's a few sports questions here to start. If you could time travel, what sporting event would you go back in time to
1: attend? If I could time travel, <laughs> I'd have to do probably a, like a, a – a, Babe Ruthish World Series in Yankee Stadium, or 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 because my dad grew up in Brooklyn, um, and when the Dodgers were still uh, a thing there, maybe maybe back into like the late 40s, early 50s Yankees Dodgers World Series where I could go back and forth between Ebbets Field and Yankee Stadium.
0: Well, I would love, kind of along those same lines, to go back to like the Jackie Robinson era.
1: Yeah, that's that's the era I'm talking about. I, yeah. I think that's what I'd rather do. I'd, I'd like to go back. Um, I remember before my dad passed away, um, I was in New York, and we went to New York. I was actually covering Kentucky at the time, and I made him take me take me back to the neighborhood he grew up in, and it was it was kind of cool to see. I mean, Brooklyn is is I I, I I was picturing it as I was driving through the city, going, "What was this like back in the fifties when when baseball when they had a baseball team here?" This had to be really cool to grow up in in, in Brooklyn. So, yeah, I think I go back to the late forties, early fifties, through the mid fifties, those Brooklyn Yankees series.
0: The other side of that for me, I think. I'm a little more of a basketball guy. I think I would maybe go like uh Showtime Lakers era, maybe attend some of those games.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I may have to go back to I would have liked to have been there to seen Wilt score a hundred. Ooh,
0: that'd be yeah, I would love to see that. I would've liked to see like Jordan in college. That would have been a fun era. Well see, see, but past. I
1: saw that I but I saw that. So
0: Yeah, fair enough. Or a I'm just age. saying. But, but you also didn't attend it in person, so. No, I mean, good point. Good point. I, you know, thinking about going back to that, the, the game where he hit the shot in college, like that would be that would be pretty fun to see him and James Worthy and all that. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's a pretty good question. Um, I love it. Which Cincinnati professional sporting event would you most want to attend during the pandemic, Reds, Bengals, or FC Cincinnati? Well, I know you're a soccer guy, first and foremost.
1: <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, remember my over-under bet for goals for the rest of the year? They might not hit it, Skinny. I've told you, but I also
0: <laughs> told you bet the first half under because it's 0-0 at the halftime of every it, it, single it game we play. Is.
1: It always is. Um, I so I'm attending this as a fan, right? I, I think I'd yeah. go Reds. A nice, a During nice the pandemic. Yeah, a, a nice sunny afternoon sitting in the bleachers with with you know you nobody really around you with your kind of socially distanced with a cold beer in your hand. I, I think I'd prefer that.
0: Well, that's the thing. These idiots in, in uh, Paul Brown Stadium, they'll still fill the place up. I mean, I haven't sat in, like, the worst seats, so I guess there's probably some open seats up there. But any game I've ever been to, I've been surrounded by people, and half of them are fighting with each other. So we're throwing beers at yeah. each other. So uh, NFL games are, like, the worst experience, especially at Paul Brown Stadium that you I, can I agree get. with you. I certainly don't want to do it during a pandemic. The FCC thing, I'm I'm good on not watching a goal for three hours. And, uh, yeah, so I guess it's the Reds by default so I guess we're going to be sitting there drinking uh, pops in the sun and just watching a team strike out for yes half, correct. Yeah, we'll,
1: we'll just sit in the sun deck and, and, and numb ourselves with, with cold beer watching bad at-bats.
0: All right. Why do the Reds continually get a pass in this city? The Bengals get slaughtered, rightfully so, based upon the lost decade in the 90s and some of the things during the Marvin era, in perception compared to the Reds. It's crazy to me the pass that the Reds get when it's been since 1995 since they have won a playoff series, just four and a half years less than the Bengals' current drought of a playoff win. Bob Castellini took over in 2006 and has produced three winning seasons in 14 years. The Reds have the worst record in all of MLB from 2014 to current day with a 10-and-a-half game lead on the Marlins in that quote-unquote feat. So is it really just things like Reds Fest, La Rosa's free pizza with 11 strikeouts, fireworks Friday, and bobbleheads that give the Reds a pass in the city?
1: I think for a lot of fans, probably yes. I mean, um, but I, I don't – I. I I think the fact that you've seen attendance dwindle over the years, I don't think they are getting a pass. Are they?
0: Well, I do think that everyone looks at them more favorably than the Bengals. I think there's a few things. Um, and actually, our guy Dan, who we'll get to one of his questions later here in the podcast, but he mentioned this on because this came up on my Xavier message board. And uh, he, he brought up good points about the fact that, one, the Reds represent themselves in the community much better. No I mean, doubt. they're just out there, the Reds community fund all that. And two, it's just a much better experience to go to a Reds game as a, as a family or even by yourself if you're just going with friends or whatever. It's a nice facility. It's currently updated always. It looks clean. You go to Paul Brown, it's a uh, concrete jungle with – uh, your feet are gonna stick to the, the gray slab concrete because of beer that's been poured out from the week before and then people are gonna fight while you're there.
1: So Yeah, and, and if you really work hard, you can get a cheap Reds ticket and, and kind of park yourself just about anywhere too. Uh, NFL tickets pretty damn expensive for that experience you're talking about.
0: Yeah. And oh yeah, there's the fact that while you bring up the point of they're they're pretty close in last playoff wins, um the Reds have won a World Series, multiple actually, and the Bengals have never won anything. So yeah, there's no, there's I, that I, part too. I mean, the Bengals won, or the Reds won a World Series in 1990. So wow. Yeah, I don't,
1: I don't, I I don't think they get a pass. I really don't. I, I think some of it is you get locked in usually in a regular season for a couple of months, um, you know, April and May, and a little bit of June, and then when things are going bad, I think a lot of people's attention turned very quickly to football in this city, and rightfully I, so. I, I think, think that's they, right,
0: and it's, and it's easier to hate more intensely like one time a week right, for right. a couple months than it is to hate every single night over the course of a five-month season. It, yeah, it's, I think it's just different.
1: The other thing I'll say is, I mean, we're not far removed from the Reds making the playoffs, right? But I, I think then we all also understood there was going to be a rebuilding process. It felt like they got to that point this year. Now I do think what happens this year will be held accountable by fans. I think going into next year, what do they do in the off season to fix whatever issues they had this year will be held accountable by fans. I think everybody understood that coming out of that 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 playoff group of, you know, from 10 to 14 that look, it sucks they didn't win a playoff series, but they did, they were constantly in contention, they did make the playoffs. And then like a lot of smaller market teams, you have to go through the rebuilding process. It's painful, it's sometimes slower than you'd like it to be. They failed in some ways in doing so, but then this off season kind of rekindled your interest just because they did something, and unfortunately, it hasn't panned out. But I do think they'll be held accountable for it by fans. I do. I think they're. I think fans right now are fed up. I, I do. And and some of it sometimes is the simple apathy of I can't even get mad anymore. They're so boring.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I do think they'll always be looked at a little more favorably in this city than yes. the Bengals. I
1: think. I think. I think you're right. I think that's yeah. that's true. All
0: right. How should high major, mid major, and low major conferences teams be considered or ranked? There are ten football. 50% are considered power conferences, but then they did name themselves that too. Right. There are 10 football conferences made up of 130 teams and 32 men's basketball conferences made up of 357 teams. Should it be conference-related and or school-related? Should it be computer rankings-related with teams and conferences bouncing back and forth either yearly or every five years? Gonzaga is a good example to look at. Um, so I did follow up with this guy and ask him. He basically just wants us to define – high major versus mid-major, and I guess low major too, which I don't know how you even make that separate, Separate the second well, um, I, definition.
1: I guess the thing is, does it really matter? I mean- well, that, that's. I think that's the th- point here. He seems to
0: think like this matters or that this is used somewhere. Um, these things aren't tracked. Like no one is officially a high major, or officially a mid-major. Th- that's a fan thing. Yes, correct. Right? It's just the, the, something fans get mad at their team is called a mid-major. It's, a, it's yeah, a very yeah, much I, a Xavier issue here.
1: Yeah, and I, and, I, and I guess Gonzaga is that, that group that you, you kind of classify, they're in kind of a mid majory league, but they're as major as anybody in the country when it comes to recruiting because they decided they want to spend money on it. They wanted to, to, to have a, a first-class basketball program, and that's what they've gotten out of it now. And I don't think it mattered when they were mid-major, when they were starting to make the tournament and make some noise. They were on the rise knowing that they were on the rise. So, yeah, I I, I think it's more of a, of, a, of a conversation piece. I know there's – what's the website, Rick? you can help me with it because no 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 the one that ranks mid-may oh. they have like mid-major oh role. mid-major
0: madness or something like that. yeah something
1: like that i yeah. mean that, that's fine i guess they're trying to get their, those teams a little more publicity but nobody pays attention to it because nobody cares um so yeah i, I don't does it matter i mean all right nku's mid-major right we all know what they have to do in their in the horizon league it's a one-bid league go win the league and if you're in it then you're in a major tournament you're in the ncaa tournament that's pretty major
0: yeah and i mean like I think I think the the whole concept here of of high major mid major to your point is a lot of it has to do with how much you spend. Right. I think that's probably if you were really trying to find like a cutoff point, it'll be about how how much are you committed to spending money on your program, and that'll kind of
1: dictate where you fall, regardless of your conference affiliation. I um, mean, I'll be honest with you: if you go back into the nineteen sixties and seventies SEC basketball. Every one of those teams other than Kentucky didn't care about basketball they didn't, and so Kentucky dominated because it cared about basketball and then suddenly, as things evolved, the rest of those schools decided, all right let's put some facilities together, let's start hiring some quality coaches, let's take this seriously and so then they became major programs and and i mean it's just that that's how you do it,
0: yeah, so again I mean i just I just don't think this is really as big of a deal. It's something that Xavier fans who are a little bit older and, and were with the team as they rose, they still care about that chip on their shoulder and being called a, a mid-major team. No one cares whether Xavier is considered mid-major or not anymore. They're in the Big East. I mean, they're a high-major program. They've spent like a high-major program Correct. for a while. I just – yeah, I, I don't think anyone else really cares about this as much as maybe this person does from a, a – yeah, I, I,
1: I, yeah, and that's where I, I go by. I mean, I, I don't think Xavier's been classified as a mid-major for a long, 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 long time.
0: Right, yeah. But it's a – ma- like, I don't think the rest of the world thinks about high majors and mid-majors quite like this, unless you're a, a mid-major program on the cusp, and that's been called a mid-major. You know, that, yeah. it bothers them. It sticks in their cross, so it's something they think about. Like, yes. this isn't a conversation I have with anyone else other than really Xavier fans.
1: Yeah. All
0: right. How did Brad Stevens, at such a young age, make the jump from college to the Boston Celtics? He was young even for a college coach. Yes, he took two teams to the NCAA finals, but there are a lot of other good coaches, and he may have just been a flash in the pan at that point. What separated himself from other
1: coaches? I'll tell you what, go, go, go YouTube Brad Stevens drills and then come back and talk to me. The guy is a freaking genius. He is he he is so meticulous in stuff that he does from a drill standpoint and stuff he runs. And I think when you saw him do some things at Butler, yeah, you gotta do some things to open eyes for people to go, wow. And he not just only did it once, I mean he he set the stage for that for that program. And so I think at that point. Um, and and the fact that when he probably goes the interview process and it's the whole, what's the, what's the, what's the saying? A lot of times Rick talent knows talent. I think, I think when, when sometimes you look around, especially guys like that, who doesn't have a playing pedigree um, people, people who are in that business, no people that know what they're doing a lot of times, and yes, yeah, sometimes there's guys in the NBA that get jobs because they're a former player. Looks like they're going to be a good head coach. Um, you know, had all the pedigree that you could think of to do it. I mean, Isaiah Thomas comes to mind, and he was a freaking disaster as a coach. Um, but I, I, I'm telling you, Brad Stevens is is just really good, and those that did the hiring knew that, and he's proven it's proven itself out.
0: Yeah, I I love how the question glosses over. He took two teams to the NCAA Finals, but might have been a flash in the pan. Hold on. Hold on, hold on. At at Butler, Butler, a Horizon at Butler. team to the finals twice. I like Butler twice to the finals. Not not Butler now. Butler before they were but like that is not a small feat. That is that to do it once. Okay, yeah, maybe you had the right player. You got lucky because the John ja Morant slipped to you at, at Murray George, State George, or something. George, like that,
1: right? George, George George Mason is an example. Occasionally a team slips through, right? Right. It could happen. But to go
0: to the final, not just the Final Four, not the Elite right, that's Eight, right. but the NCAA Finals twice. With the same small school like that, I'm sorry, but that's not a flash in the pan. He recruited multiple NBA talents to Butler somehow. And, and developed them, and developed them. Developed them to – yeah, and by the way, they weren't NBA talents when he recruited them. He developed Correct. them into NBA talents. They were good players. He got to Butler. They developed yes. into NBA talents. And he coached them to the NCAA championship twice – that's not a flash in the pan. I mean, that's basically why he got the gig. That's, that's how he showed everyone how good he was. Yes. Like you said, people saw him and they go, that guy knows what he's doing. And then you have that whole demeanor thing that kind of made him like this weird, almost Silicon Valley CEO sort of feel. He was young and had just a sort of like, I'm a nerd, but I'm calm and cool and collected and unflappable and i think people kind of like that and, and, let, and let me tell
1: you something i guarantee you in whatever interview process he did with the boston celtics you you talk about a guy that probably came with 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 a powerpoint oh. and multiple binders and was prepared on top of prepared to to make his case for why he should be coach um, th- that, that 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 he's that guy
0: it's interesting um, hearing him talk about basketball like when he's re I love it. calling a play or something reminds me a lot of lebron Like I think their minds are just sort of those beautiful basketball
1: minds where Sean McVay in football, right? The guy that can tell you the play that he called six years ago on third and seven against the chiefs. Some people just have that goofy mind.
0: I think it is. They just kind of see everything that's happening. They can recall it all. It's all slower for them. They just understand it in a way that we don't. I think he's definitely that way. So uh, I think it's all that, but I mean, again, I do not think you can discount the taking Two teams to N. B. A. Finals that's while he was right. at Butler. That's that's what got him the job, if we're being honest. But there yeah. were, there was plenty there to support it as well. All right, back in the day of playground hoops, skinny, did you prefer chain nets or nylon nets?
1: Well, I played on a lot of courts with chain nets, and and they were they were certainly efficient. But th- there was nothing like when 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 we put the basketball goal in my house um, and got that fresh nylon net and you'd always have to get I didn't want that little short UCLA Paulie Pavilion net that John Wooden used to use that would hold the basketball up so he could get his press set up while the ball was coming out of the net. I wanted that long net where you swished it and it came over top of the the the, the rim so well of I course because you're
0: 5'7 and wanted to be able to touch the net still
1: well there's that you know what there's that concept too Rick yeah. actually that's where one the ones I could actually get up I could probably get up about four or five five rings worth of of the net when that thing hung way down. So yeah, give me the long nylon net, but I certainly played my share of games on chain nets.
0: You're the guy who went up, did the finger roll, and then pulled the net down. So, so you're snapping the rim still. Oh, you guys exactly. didn't have breakaway rims, so you weren't snapping rims. No, those, no, those we, rims yeah. stayed still when you pulled yeah. down.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're, you're just hoping it didn't rust out after three years, and, and on a bad brick that you shot it. All of a sudden, your whole rim came down, and you're like, ah, oh, that that's no good.
0: Yeah, well, I have big chain nets guy. There is nothing better than the clink.
1: It does. It makes a great knocking sound down
0: the three from from chain. I mean, if you get, I mean, if that ball's coming from you know twenty twenty or so feet the The sound it makes going through the net is just outstanding. But being a high flyer like myself, you do worry about getting your hand caught up in there when you're blocking shots at the rim. Or oh yeah, all I mean it, yeah. reverse layup finishes that I used. To oh, know.
1: I'm I'm sure you've I'm sure you've heard it. You probably cut an elbow on those, haven't you? You'd get up so high.
0: Yeah. Well, especially as I got older, you know, when I was younger. it was more the rim that was the concern in the backboard in yeah. my head. But then it became a net situation. Uh, well, moving on. Worst part of <laughs> moving, skinny. What's the
1: worst part of moving? Um. Man, I, I I I haven't moved a whole lot. I mean, I moved a lot as a kid, but I really had nothing to do with that. That was all parent-related. And and really, since I've been on my own, I lived in a condo for four years and have been in the same house now for thirty years. So, um, for twenty-seven years. So, I, to me, I think it's the whole it's the whole boxing and unboxing process. I mean, because because all the heavy stuff for the most part is is moved by movers. Although the last time I did help somebody move, that's um, a Common friend of ours, Um, he and I had to move all the heavy stuff. And that was just, that was not fun. That just was not fun.
0: That's the thing. Whenever I move, well, and and granted, I haven't moved a whole lot in my life. But when I move, there will be movers there. There won't be an issue. Like, I will call someone to do it. The problem is, when other people move and they want my help, they want me to move the heavy things. Right. That is the worst part of moving for me, is other people moving. Because then they want me to come over and lift the heaviest furniture that they have. And I was like, that doesn't seem fair to me
1: yeah no i agree with you no i i guess the boxing and unboxing but yeah if you're moving friends it's when you look and they go yeah that big chest right there the two of us are gonna do it we we are you and me we're gonna oh okay let's try it
0: the other thing i i can't stand is the waiting around like you're you're there to help people and it's oh not, we're waiting we're waiting on ted to bring the truck over we say he's gonna be here in 25 minutes Oh, okay and then it's well we need so-and-so to get back with this because we can't we got to put this in first and it's you know, there's always the miscommunications, and the, if you're going to have people helping you as a group to move, you got to run a tight ship, man. You got to be on time. You got to keep the process going. You can't have people spending their entire day out there with you. Know I mean, six yeah. hours is enough. It can't be. Tw-
1: <laughs> and there better be some cold beer at the end of it. Oh, cold beer
0: and pizza is an automatic. Yep. If you're asking people yep. to help you move. Yep. All right. Phone etiquette. Phone etiquette. Question. Phone etiquette question. Skinny man, that was not easy to say. That was good. Is it okay to leave voicemail anymore, or should you just text? Also, is there a difference between professional and personal calls?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're absolutely leaving voicemails. Um, I mean, it'd be nice to follow up with a text, but occasionally a voicemail just, you may have a specific question that needs answering, or sometimes, you know, you may call somebody, and they're like, yeah, what, what does Fred really want? And then I listen to the voicemail, and they want something specific. It's like, oh, okay, I can call you back for that. Um, I'm good with that. So, yeah, I think I think voicemails are fine. I got no problem with voicemails.
0: Yeah. I think that's a generational thing because I'm going there. If you leave me a voicemail, there is about a 2% chance that I will listen to it. I just do oh, not well,
1: yeah, I'll listen to it.
0: And, voicemail. Yeah, I, like, I always think if it's important, they will text me. That is my first. Every time I don't answer the phone, I say if it's important, they will
1: text me. Yeah. I, I get so many text messages, though, that there's a case I'll look down and go, oh, crap, that dude texted me two weeks ago and I never saw it.
0: Well, I'm not as popular as you, so I can't comment on that. I uh, <laughs> I stay up on my texts a little
1: bit better than that. but well, uh, I, I, I also it, not tell you I stay on top of my texts all that well either, so there's that.
0: Yeah, there might be some, uh, some pretty sweet pictures in there. You might be missing there, my man. <laughs> maybe, Is there maybe. a difference between professional and personal calls? Uh, I mean, I guess I cuss slightly less on professional calls, depending on who I'm talking to.
1: Yeah. I, I'm, I don't have know, a lot of professional have... calls. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, most professional calls I, I I wouldn't. But, yeah, I you know you know my my tongue. It's pretty sharp. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm indifferent on that. Depends on the situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I, talking I, to college basketball coaches, AAU coaches for my job typically. It's like eh, we're not – I wouldn't exactly call those professional conversations that are being had. Yeah,
1: correct, correct. There, and, and there's a little lingo that's got – there's a little locker room banner that's got to go about with that, <laughs> a right? A bit,
0: a bit. All right, rock, paper, scissors, Skinny. What are you taking and
1: why? I'm going to take the bomb. Put, I'm going to take the dynamite is dynamite an option
0: i didn't see dynamite as an option snail i remember people doing the snail one too A Snail.
1: yeah 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 yeah, see I, I always like to do the dynamite first time around um i, I think i always like to go rock because for whatever reason pe- pe- people 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 want to put the two fingers out they don't want to put the whole hand out for paper they feel it's too lazy just leaving the rock i'm gonna go rock because then everybody else goes scissors and rock covers scissors obviously
0: yeah, I'm a big rock guy as well. I'm typically with the rock. What a jackass you are for doing the dynamite though first. I always hated that guy. That's like the guy who uh, would, as you're checking the ball up, he'd say black magic or chicken feet and then throw the ball at your knees and then try to steal yeah, it from you right I, after that. Yeah, I, Just a, such a cheap move. Yep, yep. Yeah. All right, this is a good one from our buddy Mo. Rank, through, rank one through seven with one being the worst and seven being the least worst hang. The following bad hangs the guy who's a little too into the success of his high school sports teams the coworker who in every social situation can only talk about work the guy whose suggestion when asked where everyone should hang out always involves drinking in his basement the guy Ooh. who inevitably Whoa. steers
1: that's number that's the worst so far keep going that, I, nothing's going to top that guy do you know going. that
0: guy see I, that was I, the I, only I, one on this list
1: i didn't know no, I just say, I don't know that guy, but if there is that guy, I don't want to hang with that guy.
0: Yeah, me neither. That's creepy. I don't know what that guy's deal is. I assume See, that's yeah, more I, just I, like I, the I, lazy fat friend that doesn't want to be out socializing, but yeah, it kind I, of I, gives I, me creepy vibes.
1: I was saying, I don't mind the the guy that wants me to come hang and maybe have a couple beers on his on his back deck or patio. It's it's I like hanging outside at night on a nice night and doing that. But no no, no not the basement. No 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 no. Well, I mean, That's if you got much. like a nice man cave, I'll come for nope. a game and watch a game. Yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, maybe, but not not just to go go drink in his basement. No sir. No, yeah, like not on
0: a Friday yeah. night inviting the the group out like the, yeah. the couples. All right.
1: Sorry to cut you off. Keep going.
0: The guy who inevitably steers every conversation toward politics and who you're afraid <laughs> to disagree with. He, he's he's
1: second least on my favorite list
0: keep going I, I know multiple of those guys the guy who when there is no craft beer being served makes a bigger deal than he should about how he'll just have a water
1: yeah that guy's a jackass too I'm gonna go he, he he's kind of he's kind of towards the bottom of the totem pole as well.
0: The guy who wears shorts when it's only 21 degrees while insisting repeatedly that, quote, it's not really that not cold. that
1: cold. Yeah, that guy. <laughs>
0: but that guy's not bad, though. I've been that guy before when I was younger, yeah, honestly. I, like, I,
1: I, I know that guy. Tom Gamble is that guy.
0: <laughs> Tom Gamble is that guy. That's 100% correct. The guy who, while you're telling an anecdote, decides to pantomime his golf swing while holding an invisible club. The, all right, there are... I know this guy very well. I know a couple of these guys, actually. And this one always gets me. I don't think there is anything dumber that men do than pantomiming their golf swing while out in public. Oh, man. Honest to God, <laughs> I think it's one of the funniest things men do. Could you imagine? Like, I'm just going to make it my thing that I just start practicing my jump shot while I'm out. Like, we'll be out at the bar next time you're, you're telling me a story. <laughs> no, I'm just going to pra- go practice. into my fadeaway form.
1: No, practice your crossover step back. Practice that with that, that's the best. You're doing it all with it with, with no basketball, anyway. Well, and now that, that, you, you know that handle's gonna be really tight without the ball. Okay, step back's going be brilliant.
0: Now that you bring that up, I feel like I might be a bit of a hypocrite here because walking through like the hallways of local 12, for instance, I'm a big fan of like hitting someone with a euro step, and then if I'm going through a door frame, I'm dunking <laughs> that bitch every time. So maybe I'm a hypocrite now that I think about it, because the golf swing thing I'm making fun of, but I do, I do bust out the uh, Euro steps and spin moves and dunks constantly.
1: I, I don't know why I do this. I occasionally will will, will do one where I. I, I... I like do a field goal kick for whatever reason or an extra point kick. I don't know why I do it. I, Wait. Never, kicked. Well, I never kicked. I know. I don't what? know why I do that. Yeah. You I don't know just, why I do that. Hold
0: on. Do you like mark off your steps first or how? No, I no. Usually, I just, this. usually
1: I'm just usually i just kind of like standing there. And sometimes it's when there's an awkward conversation going around me. Sometimes at practice, it's like, yeah, I, I got to do something other than just stand here like a dope. So i going to kick some field goals. Yep. Yep. Just make sure I'm loose in case we get into range. Yeah, it's exactly right. It's exactly
0: right. <laughs> That's incredible. Oh my God. I'm all right. So, uh, we got to rank these real quick here. It's hard to right. remember them all. I think the worst guy is the politics guy without question for me.
1: Um, I'm going to go, uh, who's the guy before him?
0: It was the guy who brings everyone to the basement.
1: Yeah. But, right. Politics guys below him. And then there's one other I had that I, 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 I cut you off on. Um,
0: the the craft beer guy uh yeah, he's
1: down there too he's he's number 4 probably the coworker who can only talk about work yeah that that, that yeah i go the politics guy then the work guy the craft beer guy, I guess he doesn't bother me as much as it should because it's almost like, all right, dude, you I don't was... want to drink a beer. That's a you issue. We That's just laugh at him longer. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, we
0: make fun of him. I mean, he's a douche, and he's probably not that fun to be with because Correct. he yeah. looks at life in this manner. Like, yeah. if you can't just drink a Miller Light while you're out or whatever crappy beer that you prefer, then. You're probably not fun. Like you're probably not a person yeah. I like hanging out with. But I, it really has nothing to deal with, do with the fact that you're bitching about there being no craft beer. Because the
1: chances are you're going to probably, if you have the craft beer, you're going to drink two and sip it, and you're not going to be fun anyway. So what's the point?
0: Yeah, your IPA that hits you between the eyes, and then you complain yes, the next correct. day about a hangover. <laughs>
1: correct, correct. But boy, it had a great hoppy taste, and the grapefruit was just perfect. <sighs> that's what last night i went we went with we went with some people to to have dinner and and a couple of my goddaughter and her and her sister were among them and um her sister got one of those Frisch's pumpkin spice beers and she's like if you try this this is awesome it tastes like a Frisch's pumpkin pie i said you know what i said that's all well and good I, i i appreciate you liking that i said but at the end of the day i like beer flavored beer that's i mean i i just need beer flavored beer i don't need some kind of pumpkin spice she's like but it's Frisch's pumpkin pie. I said, great. I said, if I want a piece of Frisch's pumpkin pie, I will cut that. And I'll have a glass of milk with it and have a piece of pumpkin pie. I don't want it in my beer. I'm sorry. Look, I don't.
0: I, I'm not going to hate on that. I, I'm big on people liking what they like. I like oh, fruity I beers. I'm, well, a, I'm a fruity beer guy. So, But the whole IPA thing, I just, I, one, I can't do. And then two, I, I don't really understand people complaining about their hangovers the next day when no, they right,
1: intentionally drink
0: IPAs. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going with guy who is into the success of his high school sports teams, believe it or not, at number two. After, On the bad side? Yeah, after politics. Okay. He's second worst to me after politics guy. And only. Be, and I think that might be a little bit because I've covered high school sports. So you, you go into a bar for your one night of the week that you get to hang out and do something, and then some guy, you covered his son from six years ago, comes up to you and then talks to you for the next two and a half hours about how his son's doing now. I think that's yeah. kind of more so where I think about that. Even though I know this is more about the like glory days of your own high school su- success, I kind of think of them the same. So that's probably why okay. I'm a little down right. on that guy. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's a great question, though. I, I think my favorite, though, is the guy who pantomimes the golf swing because I just find that hilarious. I like that that guy. Um, I like guy who wears the shorts, too. Those two yeah, are the, the favorite guy on the my shorts. list.
1: That's probably that's probably my favorite on the list. That I, that guy's okay yeah. with me. Then the beer guy, he'd be next
0: best. No because, again,
1: him. that's fine if you don't think it's cold. But guess what, Chief? I'm going to put a pullover on, maybe even a coat and long pants, and I'm going to be more comfortable than you. And you can swear up and down you're not cold. You probably are. It's okay.
0: Yeah. I just love when that guy has, like, rosacea. His face is totally red. You can <laughs> see he's just freezing his ass off. And he's like, no, yep. oh, it ain't cold out here. feels fine. It's all good. It's good. It's all good. Yeah. While well, he it's smokes his cigarette. Yep. All right is it
1: normal okay to shower with your dog no what absolutely the hell? not i have no idea what happened now, here <laughs> Now i will say my, my my youngest daughter when she gives our dogs a bath um she will like put a bathing suit on and go in there the tub with them just because it's right easy. it's easier i get that part but not it no not a shower shower I, no. that's
0: the only thing i can i i need more details on this is like you do it once in a while, while you're trying to clean your dog, you get in there with them just because you're going to be a mess and get wet anyway. Like you're like you're saying with your daughter, that makes sense to me. I totally see that. Uh, but like, I, I assume the question of this is like, do you regularly just shower with yeah. your dog in there? Mm, and and is. one, if you're doing it too often, dogs can't be showered that often. It's bad for their coat, so don't do that. And no, two, we... what the hell are you doing? Like that's weird.
1: Yeah, usually we 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 give them probably because when they'll go to the groomer it's like every three months so they get a bath yeah. there and then maybe one or two in between and that's about it i mean yeah
0: and that's that's a that's a lot for a dog. Honestly. yeah like to be showered that much so yeah um yeah i don't know this is <laughs> that was a weird question it popped up people were immediately like what the hell when it was asked on the <laughs> message board um and the guy was like i don't know i just wanted to know so
1: okay there there's you, right, you know. So, i
0: would say no it's probably not okay or
1: normal bell bill bill devoe now you know skinny's go-to tailgate foods Ooh, um, you never get to tailgate
0: because you're always working
1: yeah correct i don't but um if i do it, it's just a classic fare of a good burger on a on a on a cold coal grill um and uh a charcoal grill and, and a brat or a hot dog yeah just the classic stuff i'm not one of those ones that needs some kind of special dip although i mean you know you can do the skyline dip it's pretty easy right skyline dip and Put some yeah, don't slander you're
0: dip in my presence, please. I know,
1: I know, but I just for tailgating, I just want it to be simple. Just put me, give me a burger, two buns. Don't even need any condiments with it. With a cold beer in your hand, and it, it usually hits the spot.
0: Yeah, beer flavored beer. That's that's beer what we beer. our go to for that. tailgate foods. Um, it's definitely not my go to, and I would never take the time to make it. But I love when somebody has gumbo. I like gumbo. A Big fan. Yeah, like you get off, a cold, yeah. you get a cold game. You drink a bunch, and then you eat like a bowl of hot gumbo before you walk in.
1: just makes you feel great. That's a very football <laughs> Which, thing. It's a very football thing, especially in the South. Very
0: much so. Go Tigers. How should you teach your kids to defend themselves? Boxing, words only, MMA? I personally like wrestling because it can end a fight quick with relatively low damage.
1: Yeah, the thing with wrestling is what happens if the guy's got a shank and you're wrestling around and the shank comes out? Jesus, age! what types of fights are you I'm expecting asking? your kid just, to get into? just asking a question. I'm just asking a question. Usually words for me. Um, yeah, I've I've never been a big fighter. I've probably had four or five fights in my life and they've always been with a best friend, right? That's usually for me. I'm not a big going to a bar and start some kind of a fight kind of a guy. I, uh, yeah, I, I, honestly, I think every fight I've ever had has been with a, with a, with a best friend at the time. So, um, I'll go words.
0: Yeah, I mean, despite people consistently tweeting that they want to punch me in the face, I don't typically have a lot of people running up on me and actually punching me in the face. Yeah,
1: so. you, but, you, but you are looking over your shoulder, aren't you? <laughs> so,
0: no, I, I really don't worry about it much. I mean, of okay, course right. it can happen. You get sucker punched, you get sucker punched. I've been, Good point. Had my ass beat before. It wouldn't be the first time. So um, I, I think it's always best to make your kid funny so he can disarm somebody with you know, making fun of them. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think being able to throw hands a little bit, if you can, you can throw in a good punch or two or it's, it just, it all depends on your kid's body type. Like what type of kid do you got? You got a rammer, then teach them to get them on the ground, ground and pound, hold them down a little bit. You can do less damage that way. If you got a little scrappy thing, you just got to teach them how to throw a punch or two and get out of there. And don't be too ashamed to kick a penis. If you have to, I, sometimes you gotta do what you got to do. Yeah. If your kid has no game at all, just tell them to kick it d- and run exactly and run and run until you can't run anymore don't look back just keep going absolutely all right uh best concert skinny's ever attended and have you ever moshed i need a skinny moshing story i'm not
1: moshed i'm, <laughs> I'm shocked I, to I, hear that I, 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 i'm not even sure what's the point of moshing can you help me with see i'm a big what's the point guy what's the point of it
0: <laughs> that's
1: that is maybe the most
0: skinny sentence that's ever been uttered on any show you've ever done <laughs> You should just have a show called what's the point of it. Yeah,
1: that's it. I mean, if you can give me, what's the point of it, that I would understand why people mosh.
0: Yeah. I, I can't do that. So I'm sorry. I, I have not Thank moshed you. myself.
1: Thank you. Um, let's see the rolling stones in Lexington. When I was in college was a good one. Um, journey back in the late seventies was, was a good one at riverfront Coliseum. Um, I will say this is probably more mellow for, for, the, for, for most people, but Elton John, Billy Joel at Ohio Stadium about, I don't know, was that 10 years ago, maybe longer? That was pretty damn good. Um, that, that, that was really good. Yeah. So I, those would be the ones. And no, I've not moshed. <laughs> I, uh,
0: I, my, the best concert I've ever been to would – I hate him now. he can't stand him at all. But Kanye West, I went to – the first concert yeah. I ever went to was Kanye West at the Indiana State Fair before he had really blown up. And it was like a smaller show and it was it was really cool because it was just on the spot and very Kanye kind of, before he had figured it all out and, and the ego thing had fully set in, he, it was just really creative and it was an interesting show. He was giving it his all. And then I saw him when he had hit it big for the Glow in the Dark tour in Chicago, which is where he's from. And really what made that spot, I mean, it was a great concert and he had a crazy set for it, but what really made it cool was that Rihanna was one of the opening acts. Wow. Um. Wow. Pharrell, his group N.E.R.D. was one of the opening acts. Holy Damn. cow! I believe uh, Common was an opening act as well. So you had three just really good. Oh, op- oh no, no, no! I'm sorry, it was not Common. It was Lupe Fiasco who was the other opening act. Well, wow. so it was it was three really good openers right before Kanye, and and obviously all of them kind of went on to stardom as well. So
1: pretty good. It's pretty. it's pretty good.
0: All right, and our final question here for Ask Any Anything: If someone painted a portrait of you, how would it look—clothes, background, pose, etc.—and what else would be in the painting with you?
1: Oh my goodness gracious!
0: So I actually have an answer for this that I've thought about before, well before this question was ever asked, and I still kind of want to do this. Okay. Um, I would love the old uh, Death Row Records vibe <laughs> uh, magazine cover with like Snoop and and Shug and Dre, like. I would love to do that if like with my future, if I get married with my wife and like our dog, just an all black gold chains, the gold Rolex and everything. And just hang that up on a wall and do it like the old death
1: row uh, vibe. I I think, I I don't know what I'd have for the background. I think I just have a plain background, but it would certainly be a three quarter zip with my arms folded in front of me with a scowl on my face. There's no doubt you got to have the quarter zip. You know, that, that's arms arms folded in in front of me. You know, one over the other, and just kind of staring intently. I'm not a big smile guy for camera stuff. I'm usually kind of a more of a smirkish. I just don't like the. I always feel like smiling. Um, for like stuff like that, always feels forced. Um, so I I don't do it. Um, so yeah, I go with kind of just a just a scowlish look. Um, and and a three quarter zip with a pair of with a pair of slacks so there you go that's that's it Pretty if you simple. had
0: a portrait painted of you would you hang it up in your house
1: mm, yeah i mean i guess if you're if if, if, if you're the kind of guy that's going to have a portrait painted of yourself for person if you you know that's going to have that done i think you're going to hang it up right if you, if you have the ego to do that you're going to have the ego to put it up in your house correct
0: yeah i mean i think you got to pull a, a jeter move and just put it above yeah. the bed
1: absolutely you know always always look up at yourself and yeah man that's me i'm good yeah I love it. These are always great questions. Great questions. I love them. All right, Rick, that it? That's all I got. All right, it's good stuff. Thanks for all the questions. Keep them coming. We'll be back uh, one week from today. The Bengals will uh, uh, be set to, to play game number two of the season against the Cleveland Browns. We'll have a recap of Joe Burrow's week one and much more. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast. Of the weekly, we both re Edition.